The truth about us human beings is that we are emotional creatures too. He wrote one of my favorite books, Dr. Chip Dodd. Fear is a feeling that allows us to hope. I think it's huge. I think it dictates so much of our life, including why we handle money the way we do. God has graciously given us eight tools to be able to live fully in a tragic place. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rachel Cruz Show podcast. So glad that you are here. Uh, Today is a great episode. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about. And one of my favorite authors uh, and really speakers, counselors, all the above is on Dr. Chip Dodd. And if you are not familiar with him, man, he brings the idea of understanding your emotions, your God-given emotions, and how to talk about it, how to verbalize it, how it changes your whole life when you can recognize that. And so we have an incredible conversation. I can't wait for you to hear. And then at the very end, I'm actually going to answer one of your money questions. It's a common question I get all the time, so I thought I would answer it. Now, those of you that watch my YouTube channel, you know that some things have changed. I have shifted the Rachel Cruz show from like a really long 30-minute show to more quick style videos just to get more content out there on a weekly basis for you guys. And so all you podcast listeners, you can go check that out. But for you all listening on podcasts, nothing has changed for you. I am still here. We're still doing the thing. So I love it. Uh, Today, man, it's such a big day. There are so many things to talk about. One of the things that I am just so excited about, and I can't believe I actually get to announce it. There's been something that has been in the works for, gosh, probably about two years, two and a half years, maybe even three years, that is launching today. I cannot believe it. But my next book, my third book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, goes on pre-sale today, like right now. You can go to rachelcruz.com and pre-order a copy of Know Yourself, Know Your Money. And I'm so, I'm so excited about this book. Like, oh, I cannot wait for you to read it. And I wanted you guys to kind of hear a little bit of my heart and why I decided to write this book. So take a listen. Okay, a few years ago, I had this like thought, this moment where I was like, hmm, if I can start understanding not just how to handle money and helping people handle money of just like, here's how you do it, but why do we handle money the way we do? Why? Why do we spend the money we spend? Why do we save it? Why do we go into debt for it? What, 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 what is it? What is the why behind so many of our money habits? And on this show, we talk all the time about the how. We talk about the budgeting and the investing and the getting out of debt and the saving and the insurance and the investments and the wills and like all the things of the how to win with money. But when you can start to understand and go under that foundation of why do you handle money the way you do, it like... It's amazing. It really is. And like anything in life, when you can start to like have self-assur- like self-awareness in your life when it comes to your marriage and your parenting, how you are at work, how you are with friends, how you are with family, like when you have self-awareness about who you are and why you are the way you are, things just increase in your life. Like you do have better relationships. I mean, just things in your life start to gain traction when you have that self-awareness and you actually do something with that knowledge. And that is what this book is all about. It is all about the self-awareness of understanding why you handle money the way you do. So in the book, we dive into eight sections that I'm so excited about. The first section is all about your money classroom. How did you grow up with money? Because it really affects it. 
And to say that there's a little quadrant chart in there that is pretty exciting, <laughs> that's an understatement. Uh, I mean, honestly, there are like for these four quadrants, I figured out of like, really, in these four buckets is the environment of how people grew up. So not just the communication side, but also the emotional side of money. So like we dive into all of this and for you to be able to pinpoint and say, oh my gosh, that's how I grew up. Like, Maybe that's why I am the way I am or partly why it's shaped your perspective with money. It's really important. Our upbringings have a huge impact on who we are today. Then we dive in to your money tendencies, which we all have. There's lots of tendencies out there. We talk about spender and saver and nerd and free spirit on the show a lot, but we go into many, many more when it comes to money and your natural tendencies and how you're bent, how you're wired. And then that can kind of start to open your eyes maybe to other people in your life. We're like, oh, wow that's why they buy that thing, or that's why they would rather do this with money than that. So diving into your tendencies. Also diving into your money fears. We talk a lot about this on the show because fear is a main driver of why we do things in life. It can be that motivation. And so really digging into the top financial fears that people have, and hopefully you being able to pinpoint, ah, that's one of my top fears. Maybe this is why I do the things I do with money. We're also going to talk about your money mistakes and giving grace because we all need that. If you are breathing, that means that you have made a mistake with money. So we all have. And so really, really understanding, okay, man, do I give myself enough grace? Do I give others grace when it comes to money mistakes? So diving into that. And then the book moves on to not just why do you handle money the way you do? but what to do about it. That's right, the subtitle here, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, my new book. Mm-hmm. Subtitles, discover why you handle money the way you do and what to do about it. So the last part of the book is what to do about it. So what to do about your spending, your saving, your giving, and changing your behavior and really saying, okay, this is it. And hopefully this book, my prayer is that this book answers so many questions for you of like, hey, this is why I handle money the way I do. And it's really gonna open your eyes to be like, wow, if I can understand the why, I can change my behavior so much faster and win with money even faster. So not only do you get to see the book today for the first time, but you actually get to pre-order it today. So it is on pre-sale, you guys. You can go ahead and order this book today. Click the link below. And the great thing about pre-ordering you get so many free things, $50 worth of free stuff. So you're gonna get the free audiobook, the free ebook, and a 30-minute lesson taught by me on some stuff that we're gonna dig in deeper here. So all of that is gonna be for free if you pre-order right now. And the book actually launches in January, so you have a few months to do it, but just do it now because I'm telling you, I'm so pumped about it because I really think it's that great. Like, it's so good that, like, I finished the manuscripts and a few people are like, hmm, it's good, but like this section, you know, could I went back in and I was like, okay. I was like, I told everyone that was reading it before. I was like, I like, like criticize it. Like I want, I want this to be the best book possible and tell people to criticize something. They will. So I got a couple of notes more, but I kept working on it and working on it because I really, really wanted it to be as good as possible. And that's why I feel so proud with it because it is, it really is an incredible book. Again, to help you understand not just why you handle money the way you do, but what to do about it. 
Hey moms, Rachel Cruz here. Are you looking for a fun side hustle to help you pay down debt and build your emergency fund? Just Between Friends is a consignment marketplace that will help you find cash in your kids' closets. I sell my kids outgrown clothes, toys, and gear using consignment, and Just Between Friends makes it super simple. The average seller with JBF brings in $300 to $400 per sale. So go to jbfsale.com to get started and find cash in your closet today. That's jbfsale.com. Well, I hope that got you guys excited because I I really cannot wait for that book to get into your hands and read it and digest the content and help change your life. I mean, really to help you win with money faster is the key and knowing yourself more really helps with that. All right, next up is my interview with Dr. Chip Dodd. Again, like I said at the beginning of this, he is, gosh, one of my favorite people. He really, really is. Um, His book, Voice of the Heart, I just, I'm obsessed with it. I really, really am. It was such an honor to sit down and talk to him and kind of pick his brain. So I can't wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Dr. Chip Dodd. Okay, so whenever I have guests on my show, I would say like nine out of 10 of them, I know personally. And like one out of 10, I'm like, oh. I'm just a big fan, and I haven't met them. Well, the one out of 10 is happening right now. <laughs> Dr. Chip Dodd is with us today, and um, I, I'm having him on today because I read his book, Voice of the Heart, and it is phenomenal. And I used some of this stuff and actually an interview I did on the phone. I guess we, yeah. we technically met on the phone That's right. a few months About ago. A year uh, ago or so? Yeah. Yes, for mm-hmm. my new book, um, talking about emotions and your book, Voice of the Heart, is incredible. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. And so you walk through the eight core emotions mm-hmm. that everyone has. Right. And I love this book because I don't think a lot of people have the language or even know that these emotions exist. So yes. just let's let's talk about it. Yeah. So what are the eight emotions? Yeah, this book things? came out some some years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and the book says, and biblically, and neuroscience now, too, says that you and I are created as emotional and spiritual creatures, created to live fully. But we can't live fully unless we're living fully in relationship. And the language of relationship is the language of the heart. Hmm. So, And what's amazing is it became really clear, you know, in the book of Genesis, uh, uh, our problem is, and I guess always will be, that when it's time to cry out, our expertise is actually in hiding out. And God comes into the garden in Genesis 3, 9 and says, where are you? Which is actually a, a lament. It's like, I, I know omnisciently what you're going to do, but now this is a, it's actually an effect. This is a relational pain. So he says, where are you? And the Hebrew word's ayika, which means uh, I, I can see your body, I can see your thoughts, but I need to know your heart. Mm. I need to know where you are from the inside out. And Adam said, I was afraid, so I hid. And in the crying out, relationship began again. And it turns out that, and this is a bit long, but the brain actually develops from the back to the front. We have the brain stem, which is reactivity. It's what lizards do. It's hot, it's cold. (laughs) There's a flop, you know, kind of thing. The lizard brain. Yeah, the lizard brain. Yes, you know exactly the lizard brain. And then we have this thing called the limbic system. And the limbic system is really the heart. It's the emotional, relational, connection, attachment, dreamer, probably the seat of the Imago Dei. It is the the place from which we're created to connect. And it is the brain that's always asking a question like, do you care? Are are you with me? Uh, Do I belong? Do I matter? 
Uh, can I grieve with you? Can I celebrate with you? Can, will you stay? We're so relational. Mm. It's amazing. And then the frontal lobe develops over a period of, you know, 20 years. It's the executive functioning. It's the thinking brain. Well, it turns out that, that the thinking brain, the main purpose of the thinking brain is to be able to articulate what's happening in our hearts. The old proverb 23-7 said that as a person thinks in their heart, so is the person. Mm. So we're created to use our brains to express our hearts. And yet we live in a world that is anti-vulnerability, anti-neediness, anti-transparency, though we talk about it a lot. Right. It's so can, authentic. Yeah, and how can we do it unless we're telling the truth? And it turns out that the truth about us human beings is that we are emotional creatures too. And unless and we grow up losing the language of birth. And we were born with eight core feelings. Sadness, hurt, fear, loneliness, anger, which a lot of people don't understand. And then we have healthy shame, guilt, thank God, uh, and then uh, gladness. But the feelings, and, and, and everybody has asked me with these eight feelings there, how come there are seven bad ones? I know, you know, I said that right before. I, I was through, like, walk through that myth. Yeah, shame, you, guilt, and gladness. Yeah, right. yeah, you hear them all and you're like, okay, gladness, that's good. Yeah, like, but everything the, seems yeah. bad. Well, it turns out that it's, all the feelings are good just like they're organs of the body. I mean, your lungs are not bad or good, they're good. And the more you attend to your lungs, the more they can do for you. Same way with the, taking care of your heart and attending to your stomach. And even the bladder is good. I mean, if you, if it does, if you can't sense your bladder, uh, well, you know the rest of the story. <laughs> you're my, you're my two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they go right ahead. You know? or I should say my, my eight-month-old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so with feelings, unless we are, are sensitive to them and learn how to use them, they become our enemy, which is astounding. So, so each feeling is good because God has graciously given us eight tools to be able to live fully in a tragic place. Yes. And since we're created for relationship, these are the relational tools that— put us in awareness of each other, connect us to each other, and actually arouse empathy. You know, it's like, if I know what it's like to be human, and I know what it's like to experience love, pain, celebration, and grief, if I see it happening in you, I can go, oh, I recognize that. Oh, that person must be like me, like, like where I was. If I see you crying, I acknowledge tears of my own instead of going, what's wrong with her? something's wrong with her, I, I actually say, what's your pain? Like, what's happening with you? Because that empathy turns into compassion. I can see you. Yes. You know? Like see the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. You know? So why, why do you think we're a culture that is so scared to even tap into emotion? Well, I think we have a—the world is a survival-oriented place. And in the United States, we are self-sufficiency— work performance, you're only as good as your last performance. We worship independence. We worship uh, reality, you know, not letting reality get to you. We sacrifice the truth of how we're created to be realistic. And we seek power, power over having to be vulnerable. So we kind of tilt over to the yes. to the self-sufficient, climb the ladder of success. That's right, that's right. And, and, and totally ignore everything going inside yeah. and not even, and I think after years and years, not even knowing how to tap into it. And yes. so I think for you guys doing the work to actually get there, you just live this more holistic life and holistic relationships with your marriage and your kids Absolutely. and your coworkers, yeah. I mean, everything so much. Yeah. So, so let's dive into fear for a little bit. That's yeah. like the one 
that's the one emotion I really dove in with you yeah. for my new book. And yeah. I I think it's huge. I think it I think it dictates so much of our life, including why we handle money the way we do, yes. uh, different money fears. But talk through why fear is a good thing. Yes. Healthy fear. Yeah. I mean, all of and it. And by the way, your book, uh, uh, you know, uh, thank you for having me here. And I made sure I read your book. It's a wonderful book. <laughs> you got I, the advanced copy. And I, said, yeah. I actually read your book. I was like, yeah. you read my book? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> get this book. It's profound, practical, witty. It's just, it's a wonderful it's book. Kind. It's deep it's in kind. its proper ways and yet very understandable and reading. And, thank you. And thank good, you. Well, well read. Uh, fear. 18 inches below our forehead is the heart. And we practice doing everything we can to stay away from our heads and hearts being connected. And if our hearts aren't connected to living, we, we miss life, right? And it turns out that, that fear, we've been given fear as a feeling that allows us to acknowledge being in danger. Mm. So when I'm afraid, I'm actually saying, life's happening in a way that's scary. Life's happening in a way I don't like. I'm anticipating something happening negative in me, to me, uh, against me. So fear is a feeling that allows us to value our worth and allows us to seek help, to cry out. Like, I don't know what to do. Will you help me? I don't know where to go. Will you show me? So fear is a cry out feeling that allows us to ask for help. And if, we, if we're not good at fear, if we're not good at being sensitive to using our brains to express what's happening in us, then anxiety takes over. So anxiety, except when a bear's in the room or a tiger's in the room, anxiety is actually an indication, a physiological indication that we're not dealing with owning our fear. Hmm. So fear and anxiety are different. Anxiety is physiological and mental. And the beauty is that fear is a, is a feeling that allows us to hope so if you're in danger and you cry out, automatically you're using how God created you. You're hoping that there's a solution to this, this That's good. predicament. That. Yeah. And what's amazing is the way the voice of the heart talks, feelings lead us to their gifts. I don't do feelings just for the sake of feelings. I don't like the feelings. I don't like fear or sadness or hurt. But what they give us, they're tools that give us results. So fear leads to I, take, I, I hope something. And I cry out, I risk something, and that lets us develop a thing called faith. So fear is actually the birthplace of faith, which sounds like so many people in the Christian world say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, we're created to be able to be in need, to cry out in the need, and get results that actually benefit our lives. And the better we are at fear, recognizing danger and asking for help, the wiser we become. It's so... So isn't it amazing? It is. Well, and that's what takes down the scariness and actually gives you the tools to, to break down, right? Because mm -hmm. some people just kind of get in fear and it's just, oh. But no, to say, okay, to acknowledge, no, I need help. Yeah. I'm asking for help. And then you seek the answer yeah. and it helps you. And that's in every area, you guys. I mean, whether it's like, I mean, fear, I automatically think like personal safety, right? Like there's that. But then the fear of, oh my gosh, my, my marriage is struggling yes. or my kids are so out of out of control or people with older kids, right? Yes. A kid goes astray and, you know, whatever it is, that fear that rises up and being able to ask for help, gather that wisdom. Yeah, any area of life, money, all of it. Okay, I want to talk through shame because it's clicking in our interview right now and I want to go yeah. text my husband because he he sent me, he was like, Rachel, you have to listen to this because you did a talk 
on good shame versus bad shame. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I love to shame talk about shame. Shame is good. Shame is great. And I will say, shame's essential. And one of my, <laughs> and they all know I do, I love counseling. I love it. I go through seasons where I do more intense than others, but it's grown me so much um, over the course of a couple of years. But I remember um, saying something to my counselor and he was like, well, that's shame talk. I was like, that's not shame talk. I don't have shame talk. That's what I told him. I was yeah, like, exactly. I don't have shame talk. You're I don't wrong. have a problem with shame. Yeah. You have shame talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have shame talk. <laughs> but shame was this emotion. I was like, oh my gosh. And now I can, I pick up on it yeah. more and more. So talk through good shame and bad shame. Yeah. And and the, and there, there are a lot of people who are doing some lot of shame teaching now. They and they are, don't yeah. include healthy shame. Yes. Which I, yes. Yeah. And so I good. said healthy shame is essential because healthy shame literally is the essence of a human being. It's amazing how you're born looking, literally looking, and you can't think yet, you can't talk, but you're born emotionally and spiritually looking for who's looking for you. Hmm. We're so created for connection. That attachment, yeah. We're so created to, to, to find fulfillment in relationship. So healthy shame is the dependency feeling. It's the awareness that I'm created for relationship. And healthy shame is amazing because you have some answers and I have some answers. So if we turn that into um, how to have a community, it's like you've got green peas, I've got potatoes, you've got beef, you've got carrots, you've got water, you've got a pot, you've got a fire, you've got a match, you've got wood, and somebody has a spoon and a few bowls, those are answers. It's what you bring into life to do, to live, to develop in you. And so before you know it, we have together what we never could have had apart. We have Mm. a stew, we have a community. But it's the communion of admission of neediness. It's the communion of acknowledging that I'm not made to live alone. I'm created for relationship. I don't have to sacrifice who I am to be in relationship, but I just have to live the capacity to admit how I'm created and have boundaries with it. In other words, I'm not you and you're not me. I have a self, you have a self, and we can share that. Hmm. So. Toxic shame is when we become contemptuous towards ourselves for being needy, for not having all the answers, for making mistakes, for being in need, and ultimately for not not being God. I should have known this. I should have known that. I shouldn't need this. I shouldn't want that. And so toxic shame is taught. Yeah. So healthy shame becomes a toxic experience. Mm. So something's wrong with me for being human. Yes. Something's yes. wrong with me for being in need. I feel crazy. You know, those kind of th- those statements. Yep. Yes. And I yep. do that to myself. I do, yep. I'll go through the day and I'm like, oh, Rachel, that's crazy. Why are you thinking that? And I'm like, no. And I catch myself. Yep. And I'm like, why am I even thinking? No. I, what? Like, I have to walk myself through it. Yeah. But it's so good. It's yes. so, so healthy. Okay. So. Oh my gosh, I want to keep you here all day because uh, there's two more emotions because I know yeah, I know yeah. this is going long. But and see, the thing is, I've been talking about this stuff for 30 years, so I'll stay here all day. Exactly, <laughs> so it's so like, okay, so one thing I learned from your book that was huge for me is that anger is one of the only emotions that's always attached to another. Yes, it's true. Okay, so when you, I think it's huge. So like when the anger boy, because I will, I get, I'll get mad or angry. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, and I'm like, no, no, no. What am I really feeling? And I can, and I have to stop and pinpoint. Yes. Like. I'm fearful. I'm fearful of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or I'm, that made me so sad that that yeah. ha- You made me mad, but actually I'm sad because the X, Y, you know, whatever yeah. it is. But I think it's fascinating. It is. Anger, and it's, and, and we really, we've been a society that has, has mistaken anger and rage. Yes. Rage talk, destroys. Yeah. Rage is always rooted in terror that I'm not going to experience. So when a person's terrified, they rage. 
when a person thinks they're being thrown back into some place they swore they'd never have to go to again, they'll kill. They'll attack, destroy, go silent. So anger and rage aren't the same things because anger is not a fear-based emotion. In fact, anger is the most vulnerable feeling of all the feelings. Hmm. It exposes our our capacity to be wounded more than loneliness or sadness or hurt, okay? Hmm. Because anger shows what matters to us. It's admitting that I'm craving something and looking for something and wanting something and want to do whatever it takes to get something. So words like I hunger, I thirst, I yearn, I long, I want, I wish, uh, I hope, I, I dream. Those are angry words hmm. because they're showing this matters to me. And the gift of anger is passion, a willingness to be in pain for something that matters more than pain. And that's how people get out of debt. But when we bury our anger, we're burying our capacity to tell the truth about ourselves completely. Hmm. You know, when, we're, when, we keep, when we can no longer hunger and thirst and yearn and long and want and hope and wish and dream, we're not alive. Yeah. So anger, see, we, we really do so need great. to wake up to becoming free, to have the powerful vulnerability of admitting that I'm a hungry creature created to live fully. Hmm. And the problem, though, I can't live fully unless I'm doing so in relationship. Mm-hmm. And money can't fix it. Hmm. And um, there's not enough performance to make it make me whole. No, you know I can't become independent enough. I can't remove myself from, yeah. you know, the the pain of life. So I got to learn how to live the pain of life. Yeah, you're on earth, you're on earth, and there's no cure for that except yeah. learning how to live it. Yes. Oh. In fact, you said even in in your book, and the Lion King use Lion King. Yeah. Yeah. And Rafiki said you can run from it. Yes. Or you can learn from it. Yes. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So and learning from it means coming back to being human again. That's right. And asking ourselves the hard questions about everything. What it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah so when it comes to money management, mm-hmm. our emotions are so tied in very deeply on how how we manage money, right? Yeah. Whether it's our spending, our giving, our saving. So kind of talk to me through those three emotions. We talked about fear. We talked mm-hmm. about shame and anger. Mm-hmm. How do you see those play out when it comes to managing money? So a lot of ways, money is just like uh, uh, alcohol, drugs. It's It can be used to get away from dealing with life on life's terms. It can be used to anesthetize fear, temporarily get over fear. Like like, like people who are lonely, you know, it's like, well, they'll go out shopping and they're, they're living on the idea, if I can get this thing, if I can get that thing, the adrenaline of shopping, the gathering up stuff, it feels like I'm okay for a while. It's mm-hmm. a mood-altering experience that takes us away from what we feel. And then this person gets home, they've overspent, and guess what's there? The loneliness comes back. It's like a cycle. So we try to medicate a, a, a avoidance of these feelings through money, alcohol, drugs. So money is an emotional issue. Yeah. Of a way we can either hide our feelings or we can deal with our feelings and manage money properly. Because it's not something that's going to take us away from life. It's something that can allow us to live life fully if we acknowledge what it is. It's a tool. And that's such a key point that it's not always the alco of money, right? Because I'm a spender yeah. naturally, so I naturally always think, yeah. oh yeah, if I were to medicate with money, it would be to spend. Yeah. But others, it's the hoarding mentality. Oh, yeah. If I can just keep, keep, keep and keep everything close, I'm going to be okay. Right. And that feeling of security does not end up yeah. there. It, it can help you with that, that foundation, get an emergency fund, all the wise yeah. things we talk about yeah. for sure. 
but ultimately mm-hmm. that's not going to that's not going to satisfy that core emotion absolutely and and even related to anger that you said a person cannot live debt free without passion and they can't live generously without passion they have to be trusting something bigger than money yeah. to be generous that's it. you know well you guys i hope this interview um, shows you the depth of life but it can take a lot of work it can be scary it's not always fun digging into the feelings but once you get in that practice your relationships just explode. I mean, so much richer. Um, it's an incredible way to live. So again, I kept saying it, but Voice of the Heart, it's a must. It's a must. And then yeah. Hope in the Age of Addiction. Guys, Amazon it, get a copy. And Dr. Chip Dodd, thank you thank for being you, on. Thank you, Rachel. So great to meet you. all your wisdom. Incredible. Again, you guys, check out his new book. Thank you so much. One of my favorite packages to ever show up at my door is my Tuft & Needle mattress. I've got a couple now, and seriously, I love this mattress. You guys know exactly how it is. When you're juggling all the demands of mom, wife, work, friends, etc., good sleep is a must, and I've never slept better. Tuft & Needle is the best-rated mattress on Amazon with over 100,000 five-star reviews. Try it out. You can get a mattress starting as low as $3.99. Plus, it ships free, and you get to keep it for 100 nights risk-free. If I'm wrong, just send it back. Go to TN.com to get started. That's TN.com. Man, Dr. Chip Dodd, is he just not so, so wise? Okay, one new thing that I'm doing is answering your questions. I'm doing this on YouTube in my videos there. And also I want to do it here on the podcast because you guys are asking them in the Facebook community, on social, Instagram, Twitter, and I see those. I see those questions. So, Today's question is on baby steps four through six, how do you transition from gazelle intense to enjoying your money a little more while staying focused on your goals? My husband is having a hard time finding the balance. Oh, this is one I get all the time. And it's true because, you know, baby steps one through three, while you're getting out of debt and you're getting that emergency fund in place of three to six months of expenses, it is so it's so intense. Like that is a season of sacrifice. That's a season of saying, you know what, we're going to do whatever we can to get this done. And then you come out of it. And for some people, it's been years, you know, maybe two, three, four, five years. And you're used to this one way of living. And then to kind of shift your mind to say, okay, I can let my foot off the gas a little and actually enjoy my money. It actually is practice to start enjoying it. It really is. And it sounds crazy to some of you, but I promise if you've been living so intensely for so long, to actually go spend money, it's kind of scary. You're like, I'm not used to this. Oh, we can go have fun? What does that even mean? So what I would say is to budget it. And again, of course, my answer is the budget. Some of y'all are rolling your eyes at me. But seriously, when you say, hey, we're going to allot some money, a percentage of your income, that we're going to have fun. We're going to force ourselves to spend this money. And you have to get in the habit because once you do it, the scariness of it is gone because you know, okay, we're still working, you know, to say for retirement, we have our kids' college, we're going to pay off our house early. Those things are still happening. But on the side, you can still enjoy some of your income and you need to. You have worked hard to get to this place. You need to enjoy it. You do. I hate the word like you deserve, like you deserve it, you deserve it. But you do at this point, like you've gotten to the place, you've made the sacrifices to enjoy so you can enjoy, spend money without guilt, without that shame. But if you need to put it in the budget and literally line item and say, we have to spend this exclamation point and put that dollar amount and go and spend and enjoy. And a few months in, you're going to start to see, okay, it's not that scary. But again, great question. It's one that I get all the time. 
All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Rachel Kershaw podcast. If you've not subscribed yet to this, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if the spirit leads, you can leave a review. And as always, make sure to take control of your money and create a life you love. So if you guys enjoyed this podcast, we have more from the Ramsey Network, like The Ken Coleman Show. According to a recent Gallup poll, nearly 70% of Americans are disengaged at work. If you dread going into work every Monday morning and you're just trying to make it to the weekend, The Ken Coleman Show is for you. Everyone has a sweet spot. Your sweet spot is at the intersection of your greatest talent and greatest passion. We will help you discover what it is you were born to do, and then we'll help you create a plan to make your dream job a reality. You matter, and you have what it takes. Join the conversation on The Ken Coleman Show. To hear full episodes, just search Ken Coleman wherever you listen to podcasts or go to kencolemanshow.com.